Welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. My name is Stacia. And my name is Lizzie, and we are your hosts in all things wellness weirdness. And today we are talking about diversifying the wellness space. We plan to give you guys a lot of things to look for, some really actionable tips you can implement into your life to make your wellness or fitness community a little bit more accessible and everything in between. We're really excited and very fired up about this topic. Yes. And I do think that this has become clearly something that is being talked about now with everything going on. And it was interesting as I was preparing for this episode, when I Googled things about wellness and racism and inclusivity, diversity, etc. All of a sudden there in the past five days are a ton of articles about it. So it's just been interesting to me to see this explosion of, hey, it's time to examine this. And so I'm just excited to take this opportunity. I mean, this is something that should have been talked about a long time ago, but we're here now. And so I just think that it is definitely important that we touch on this with everything going on. And again, we're your wellness weirdness friends. And so we got to talk about the wellness space and how all of this pertains to it. Absolutely. And I feel like we always say this, but Stacia and I are always learning and we're always open to feedback. So, you know, we prepped for this episode as best we could with lots of different resources and ideas, but we are by no means perfect at this. So don't take us as like the saviors for diversifying the wellness space. We are working on being better about it too. And we are 100% open to your feedback always. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for that. Yeah. So Stacia, are you ready to just dive right in? I got like my swimsuit Uh. on. Let's dive. (laughs) What if if you really were recording (laughs) this swimsuit? I am actually wearing my furry onesie as pants. (laughs) Like I'm just a disaster. Uh, I'm wearing a Stranger Things sweatshirt. I don't know if you can tell. Love it. Love it. It's been a year. Okay. So the first question we have that I I would love to hear your thoughts on Stacia is why is it important that we diversify the wellness space? All right, let's let's just start out big here. <laughs> going in. We're going in. So, I think the overwhelming thing that uh, I'm starting to realize is just the lack of diversity and access within the wellness space and I think that this can be harkened back to uh, in my opinion, like when I think about how white supremacy has uh, had its hold on me in my life and growing up thinking that like this was what was normal, like that the wellness space, how I see it is what's normal. So Mm -hmm. like the wellness space as a middle class white woman, I see that as like how it should look because that's how it looks for me. And so uh, now that a lot of things have been brought to my attention that I never like truly examined, I'm understanding just how that plays a role in the wellness space. And I think that obviously, like, we care so passionately about everyone being able to be well. And so it's important that that is accessible to everyone, because how can we all claim that, like, well, of course, I want to be well, but if only some of us are well, we are missing the goal. And so I just think it's really important that we take this opportunity to look for ways with which we can diversify the space because I think that only 
allows for things to get even better within the space. I think it's really fantastic to see diversity in the wellness space. And I love seeing people with uh, different experiences sharing what those experiences are and what's important for them in the wellness space, because I've already been learning a lot about what is needed for people to feel more included and heard and seen within the space. So I think it's definitely something we need to do. I think so too. Yeah. I was thinking about this a lot over the weekend and like a concept that I kept coming back to is the hierarchy of needs that we all learn about in our like psych 101 classes. And I think that wellness is often presented as a privilege and not a right. And I also, you know, I understand it. If you like don't have shelter, you're not going to be super concerned about meditating. Or like eating healthy, right? But I I think that often wellness is treated as a nice to have, not a have to have. And I think that the particular flavor of wellness that you and I consume and try to share is meant to be more inclusive. And I think, you know, everybody deserves to feel good. But we also, you know, in Seattle, I see all the time when I go into a studio, it's all middle class, very thin white women, you know, and like, I, you know, even the branding, like it's, we, it's easy to say that this is presented for everybody, but, but really it's not. And I, you know, we touched on in our fat phobia episode, like even being in a larger body and maybe not feeling like that space was super welcoming to you or even had the knowledge to know how to be able to help you if you are somebody in a larger body. And I think that that extends to everybody and how can you get into wellness if you're not seeing people that look like you, you know, every single person deserves wellness, um, whatever that might look like. It's different for everybody, but I think, you know, Stacia and I are part of this industry that's very white, very privileged, very thin, and we don't want it to look like that anymore. Yeah. And I think that you touched on something interesting that I want to discuss more with you because it was funny when I was Googling wellness, Mm -hmm. I saw the seven pillars of wellness, the 12 things of wellness, the eight. And there was like a hundred different numbers for what wellness is defined as. And I am just curious what your take is and how you view wellness as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I really look at wellness as like well-being, right? So how do you feel safe and nourished and able to grow. You know, Stacia and I express that a lot through movement. And I do think movement is really important just for your like physical health and being able to express and take care of yourself. But I feel like the type of wellness that I am passionate about and I'm always seeking is less of a tangible, like I have abs, I drank a million things of green juice today and more of a feeling of is the system or the community that I'm in or like the family, the group that I'm in or just myself well, right? And like looking at it from all of these different pillars, like mental health, diet, right? Like, do I feel like I have like access to really good food and that my relationship with food, it's basically like, are your relationships with all of these different really key things in your life productive or like moving towards being productive and being healthy? That's how I view wellness. And that's why like station, I talk about mental health. We talk about relationships. We talk about fitness. It's not just self-care and like face masks. What do you think wellness is? I think that a lot of what has hijacked the wellness space is a lot of fitness and diet culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that is something that I notice in the regards to like 
okay, so like you said, drink this expensive green juice, have these expensive supplements, buy this expensive product, and that it somehow has become so commoditized for profit. And instead of realizing that we all should have access to the things that truly do create that wholeness around how I see wellness, which is definitely a more holistic approach. And I'm not going to lie, when I started taking care of myself, the physical aspect was the first, it was the first one that I started to work on. And so it became a very heavily focused part of what I believed wellness was, but I've gone through this journey of self-discovery and realizing that I was only addressing one aspect of what was making me well. Yeah. And so I do think it's really important to realize that there is no one size fits all for wellness. And that there are a lot of things that go into it that uh, make you well and that your well-being is taken care of. So that's why I'm excited. I feel like we do talk about diverse topics that have to do with wellness. And it's not just how to work out and quote unquote eat right. Mm -hmm. It is the tackling kind of the bigger issues. And that I think in doing so, we are helping to dismantle the things that we have been shown and taught that are really part of a culture that doesn't serve everyone, like the fat phobia and the fitness culture and diet culture and how these really do have really negative aspects within them. Yeah, and I think you made a really good point, Stacia, of like starting with fitness. But I I think a lot of people start like that and that's okay because that's the most tangible, like obvious, right? Like you're, we, you and I always joke about like you can meditate forever, but you don't necessarily like see the results of your meditation like immediately after, right? It shows up later. And I do understand how people can get into wellness from like the fitness aspect, because that's most obvious. It's like a physical thing you're doing. You can see your body changing, but that's just like layer one, you know, of what you and I are looking for. Yes. There's many, many layers to it. And I do believe that it should be something that is accessible for all because we all deserve to be well. Mm. Okay. So station, I have like a novel of notes in front of us. So so let's just dive in. So we really want to open up a conversation today um, and give you guys some tips and ourselves some tips about what you can look for in your wellness spaces, how you can start diversifying them. Obviously right now, coronavirus is still a thing. We're all still stuck at home when we're not (laughs) protesting. Uh, (laughs) It's such a weird time to be in. But we want to give you some really actionable tips and just kind of food for thought about what to start looking for. So Station, I made a big list um, and this, I don't want to take credit for this list. Like we compiled this list based on a bunch of different posts that we saw online and we will share them for you, but just basically different ways to start, you know, understanding if your wellness community is diverse. And then also if you notice that it's not rather than just being like, well, this place is all white Bye. if you feel compelled to ways that you can start working towards change. So the first thing that I I think is most obvious to people is if you go to a studio or like a juice bar or something, just noticing what the staff looks like. So like if I'm just going to use this as as an example, this isn't to like throw yoga studios under the bus, but (laughs) like if you go to a yoga studio, what do the teachers look like? Are they all really thin white women are do they have male and female teachers do they have teachers who are black or asian indigenous right like start looking at the teaching staff and not just the teaching staff but 
Also look at the ownership, right? Or the leadership team. So maybe it's owned by a white woman, but maybe, you know, the assistant manager of that studio is a black woman or a black man, right? Like how can you start looking at just the systems and how they're constructed of where you go, you're going? And something else that one of my friends pointed out to me over the weekend is, yeah, it's great to have like black teachers on staff, but are they teaching at peak times? Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. I thought that, that was a really good point. It was like, <laughs> Me oh, too. so it's not just like the pat on the back that you get for being diverse, but like, are you really doing what needs to be done yeah. to make space for people of color to have space in at important times? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you guys aren't aware, like think about the times that uh, a studio that you go to is usually really busy. So like spin studios are really busy in the mornings often, right? And like yoga studios can be really busy in the morning or like 6 p.m. is always like a really hot time in Seattle for yoga classes when yoga studios are allowed to be open. So something to look at is, okay, if there's diverse teachers, are they teaching at these hot times that do tend to get paid more and get you more visibility, right? Like you just, those having a popular class time leads to all of this really great stuff. Or are these, you know, more diverse or non-white teachers teaching at like the lunchtime slot, which never is going to be as popular. Mm -hmm. And I do, it actually is interesting. This isn't in our notes, but it's something that I'm really curious about. Maybe you have some insight on because, okay, so we grew up on a small island that is very (laughs) predominantly white. Real white. (laughs) And so, and even Seattle, I know that there is diversity there, but like I came from New York where there is very, very apparent diversity within that city. And so when I think of a small town where the population is 98% white, how do you become more diverse when you don't even have access to what, what, where it feels like you don't have access to more diverse groups? That's a really good question. Yeah. When you're surrounded by white people and there's no non-white people to like teach your class or whatever, like how are you getting diversity in your life? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know if that just means like, hey, if you are in a position to give back to uh access Mm -hmm. for others in different communities outside of your own if you don't have that ability because there just there is nobody who's applying for jobs within your space that are a minority group or something like that that there should be other ways to show your support and your solidarity with this type of work so it was just something that I was thinking about because I was like okay honestly unless you're getting somebody to commute to Vashon if you own a studio on Vashon like the likelihood that you are going to be diverse is very small. Yeah, that's so true. So then, I mean, Stacia, you're like a great example of this because you're on Vashon and I know you are working to like consume content in the wellness and fitness space. It's not just white. So how have you been going about that since you're like living this example right now? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question. One thing that I have done because... I understand like for me that part of the privilege that I am given that it is an opportunity for me to get to spend it in a way that is meaningful for me. So ways that I have uh, like actively worked towards diversifying my own community, albeit it's mostly virtual at this point. Um, but it does make me really miss New York. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. There is such beauty in diversity 
So one thing that I've done is find I've started to support the Loveland Foundation. And so even if I'm not able to include more diversity within the work that I'm doing on a personal level, being in my little Vashon bubble, because like, again, we're still in quarantine. So like, I'm not having access to new groups of people right now, because it's just me and my sister. And uh, (laughs) so finding (laughs) a community that I do want to support while right now, while I work towards figuring out how to become more diverse within my own business. And so supporting a foundation on a monthly basis where they give access to therapy for women of color. Because again, one of the biggest things I found when it comes to diversifying the wellness space and access to wellness is that realizing that the opportunity to access wellness is not the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that's why that was something that I was super passionate about because I'm like, therapy is an important aspect of my own well-being. And so knowing that it is not something that is as accessible for Black people, for people of color in this space, like I'm just grateful to be able to do that right now Yeah. while I figure out how to create more diversity within my own world. Right. No. And I think that's such a clear, like actionable step that you can take. And as you were saying that, it made me think my therapist and my psychiatrist are both white women who are like pretty active. And I, the reason I have stuck with both of them is because they understand like me as a person and like my beliefs, you know, they're similar to me. And that's helpful when you're talking to a mental health professional. And I also think, you know, it's, It's easy to say, everybody get therapy, but I really love the point that you're making of like, no, people deserve mental health professionals that look like them and share their experience because that's going to be the most helpful. So yeah, I think like donating to a cause, especially when you're not, Vashon's not in the middle of the nowhere, middle of nowhere, but sometimes it really feels like it is. Especially during quarantine. (laughs) Especially during quarantine. But yeah, if you're in a place where there's not a lot of diverse people, I think, you know, being able to support an organization is great. I also think, and I know you've been doing a lot of, you and I this last week have had like the same week. I feel like really, and not just this last week, being really mindful about the media that you're consuming and taking time, you know, to consume information from voices that are not yours, I think is a really great way that you can diversify your life when you are in a more remote location. And I know you've been working on that for longer than just this last week. No, and I think that that is something that is important to realize that with this culture of uh, access to the world at our fingertips, like there really is an endless opportunity to create more diversity at the very least in your virtual world, which has become an important part of your day-to-day life. So there are things that you can do, even if you feel like You are in a bubble of only white people. (laughs) Yeah. And Stacia, like you've been posting so many good resources on your Instagram. I've been trying to post resources on Instagram. So if you guys are really unsure of where to start with this, you're welcome to follow along with us as we share how to be a better ally. You're always, we very much encourage you to engage with people who don't look like you on social media. Just a reminder, though, it's not their responsibility to educate us and answer all of your questions. (laughs) Yes, I think that that is an important point. And I think that's something that 
thankfully has been made pretty blatantly totally clear. the last little bit yeah and I thought it was so interesting this is unrelated but related because I felt a I was able to feel feelings of empathy for this and I know you have your example of it and I want you to share it but I was thinking about the emotional labor of all the times I've tried to explain sexism or misogyny to a straight white man uh, yeah. <laughs> and like how exhausting it is that we just have to labor over and over again to get them to try and understand right. where we're coming from and like them actively taking on a role to educate themselves and learn more about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, how incredible would that be? I <laughs> like, know. That we don't have to, as women, sit here and be like, please listen, please understand, please educate yourself instead of us just having to be like struggling to have our voices be heard. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I know it's it's a different beast that needs to be tackled and I'm not equating it to their struggle, but it is just something that I was like, oh, I can semi-relate so no I totally get what you're I mean I feel like what I'm hearing you say is like it's really hard to explain to somebody like how the world the only world that they've ever known is problematic and the changes that they need to make like it's it's hard to get men to understand what we as women go through and like sexism and misogyny and it's hard for us as white people to understand that all the world that we thought was hunky-dory and like yeah, we are like working towards change is like actually still has so far to go. It's hard. Yeah, it is. And I'm so grateful that you just said honky dory because I feel like that's like the <laughs> whitest thing that has ever been said. It's <laughs> a very white term. But yeah, I feel like we all just want to feel like, oh, I, this is an example I've seen a lot where people are like, oh, but like Obama was president. And it's like, that does not fix everything. That's oh one example and one person. And I thought this perspective was really great. I'll try to refine it. But someone was like, actually, when you post about like Obama and Oprah or try to like point that out to us, it's like being like, well, one person was good. So you as a people are fine now. Like that's so insulting. It is very insulting. And I feel like it's just as problematic as people who are like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. And you're just like that. I, I just know. <laughs> yeah, that's not, it's not how this works. <laughs> yeah congratulations proud you have a black friend that's good it's good to have friends that don't look like you but that's like step one of they so many your own life and realizing that that shouldn't if you truly like understood what was happening that wouldn't be something that you need like I have black friends but that certainly has not been something that I'm like shouting from the rooftops in defense of who I am as a person I know myself and my relationships and how I'm showing up and I'm looking inward to figure out areas where I'm not showing up as well as I could and should be. Stacia, I love you. I love you too. So you added notes in here that I thought I was like, oh my God, this could be a whole episode in and of itself. But Stacia made a really good point about just wellness and self-care and access to those things and barriers to entry. So can you like tell us a little more what you were thinking about that? Because I thought that was such a good point that does not get brought up enough. Of course. I, I don't think it gets brought up enough either. And I think that that like comes from the whole like bastardization of the wellness space is that we've hijacked it to be something that is so far from what it was. And I think that that is something that I've come to realize is that I'm like, okay, the second something becomes super mainstream, like 
it becomes inundated with a lot of garbage and BS that you have to start weeding through. And so it's important for us, and I know we discussed this, to be conscious consumers because there is a lot of stuff out there that isn't necessarily actually geared towards true wellness. Ugh. Do you really need to be spending $10 at a juice bar? I mean, that's probably lowballing it for like your daily say, juice. Wow, <laughs> I know, what juice bar? Like, I don't know. That's not right. <laughs> $15 bare minimum. And making people feel like, oh, if I don't have access to that, I don't have access to being well. So why should I even try so I think that the more that we can promote this idea that wellness isn't just buying expensive things and access to expensive things, like think about goji berries and all these like strange superfoods super yeah. yeah, that people don't necessarily have access to. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like die because I'm not going to get all these antioxidants. And I think that... Uh, a lot of that has come to fall under self-care and that self-care in and of itself has been hijacked by this consumer capitalist culture and idea that self-care is something that needs to be bought. Yeah. And that there's definitely limit, like you have to have resources like time and money to access wellness as it is being sold to the masses. Right. To your point, like so much of it is marketing too. You know, it's yeah. like like goji berries. I feel like somebody, some genius marketer was like goji berries a while ago. And yeah, so we all thought we had to buy them. And I constantly have to remind myself that like I don't need a million different supplements or memberships to online fitness, pro, you know, but it's so easy to fall into that. And sometimes just like focusing on eating balanced meals and moving my body in a way that feels good like that's always the most sustainable and when I feel the best anyway not when I have like a million expensive things yeah 100% and I think of what is it bulletproof coffee and he's like no most coffee beans have this type of mold on them and so if you're not buying my coffee beans and then your coffee's not good enough because it doesn't have this expensive MCT oil that's going to like curb your appetite and fill you with healthy fats and so you have all these people buying into the belief that they need to buy that coffee and buy that MCT oil in order to have access to the wellness that it's promising. Yeah. And it's like, that is just marketing and to make people money. It is also sidebar. Um, so I actually like really enjoy the concept of Bulletproof coffee. Like I'll make yes. like my own. Yeah. But there used to be, I don't know if it's open anymore. There used to be a Bulletproof coffee cafe in South Lake Union in Seattle. And I used to go to the flywheel, the spin studio that was right across the street from it so I would like go there fairly often and they have this thing that I cannot wait to hear your reaction to it they like encourage people to stand on it and it's supposed to be like a weight loss and toning tool and you stand on this thing and you like hold on to it and it just jiggles you for like oh, no ever I feel like I've seen those ads for those things from like decades ago yes that's like, what it feels like what the heck and there's all these like posters for you to read as you do it about why it's like shifting your like cellular energy and stuff but it's like it's so gimmicky and every time I go there I'm like what the fuck is this thing wait okay so is it something that's like in public so you stand on it and get shaken in public for people to see you shake <laughs> it's like in the wind like 
the front kind of window of their shop. So you have to like shocking. Yeah. I mean, I did it once and my friend like stood in front of me because I was just like, this thing is ridiculous. But yeah, they have that there and it's totally, you know, and they try to be like, you have to do this every day for optimum health and blah, blah, blah. And it is, yeah, it's such a gimmick. And when you take a step back and you're just like, what am I doing? Why am I? Yeah. This like MCT oil is just like fancy coconut oil, you know? Yes. And I think that that's so important. The idea of like, is this a gimmick? Is this just a way that someone is trying to market something to me so that they can profit and make money? Because I mean, listen, like we are in the wellness space and we run our businesses and we make money from within this space. So I get it. Like people do deserve to get paid for the work that they're doing. But I just think that it is something to make note of when you're being sold these expensive products or these expensive ideas Mm -hmm. that really once you break it down like you don't need to be spending all your resources on those types of things like you sent me that TikTok yesterday I believe it was and it was talking about the importance of like shaking to alter your state and so you know what maybe there is something with this fancy machine that shakes you but guess what you can also do just take three minutes to shake your own body in your home like yeah, Lizzie's doing right now. Totally. <laughs> yeah, just like um, my therapist explained it to me is like, you know, if you have energy that's stuck, sometimes just like dancing and wiggling it out is like a productive way to process it. But do you need this super expensive machine that jiggles all your fat in like South Lake Union, which is one of the really busy neighborhoods of Seattle? Mm. Probably Probably not. not. Okay, you brought up a point that I want to keep talking about. So you were talking about barrier to entry. Before we were recording, we were talking about, and this is something as a fitness professional, I've always been really passionate about is people will be like, well, why, you know, why is yoga so expensive? It's $20 for a class or whatever. And, you know, as an instructor, I'm like, okay, well, I can't teach yoga 40 hours a week. And I had to go through this really long, expensive training. So, you know, you do need to pay me X amount, pay me my worth, blah, blah, blah. But part of that is because these fitness trainings, to your point, Stacia, are so fucking expensive that then we all are like, please pay me like at least minimum wage because I just spent my entire life savings on this certification. And you made a really good point about how this cost of these certifications is also why we see so many white wealthy instructors. So I would love if you could like dive into that a little bit more. Of course. I think that to something that I came to realize is that if we want to truly diversify these spaces, We have to make access for the diversity to flourish and thrive within the space. And having overpriced certifications is the only means to access. It's like uh, just another way that we continue to have spaces that aren't diverse because we need to make it more accessible. And again, it's something I'm learning to unpack because I definitely don't hold the magic key to unlocking how to make that more accessible because while I do believe in donating and scholarships and things like that, sometimes that can feel just like a Band-Aid on Mm -hmm. a bigger issue where it's like if we were truly uplifting access, there wouldn't be a need for the scholarship. So this idea that finding this balance between making sure that it is accessible and affordable for all who are like committed and dedicated and want to be a part of that space while also, and yeah, I don't know, it's a complicated issue because I'm like uh, how school, college, all these things, you pay for your education in the system 
and how it works now. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily the model it always has to be, but like how can we work within this space and this model that we have to make it more accessible? I mean, I think offering scholarships and recognizing that things should be done to allow easier access for people that might not have the same resources because uh, I mean I just I know from my personal experience even when I've felt that I am my most broke I'm still like going to Starbucks but not actually because I don't go to Starbucks but like that idea that I get like you're, so you get it you're taking yourself up for coffee yes uh, and uh, that uh, even if, if if it feels expensive for me like uh, you have these certifications that are great to have because the education is necessary to yes. lead. And so I do want to see more access for that. And so I don't have the answer. And it's something that I definitely want to like look more into. But I'm curious if you have any more thoughts on that. I don't have the answer either. I just think it's like, you know, helpful to talk about something that um, was pointed out to me over the weekend, too, that I felt I felt really stupid that I hadn't thought about this, to be honest. But it's also like even just being able to go to these certifications is like assuming that you have childcare, right? Or that you have a job that's flexible enough that you don't have to. Or like, you know, like when I did my yoga teacher training, it was in the evenings and on the weekends. And it was in Ballard. And I lived in West Seattle at the time, which is like, if you're not familiar to the Seattle area, that's like two totally different ends of the city. Thankfully, I had a car. I had a shitty old Mm -hmm. truck. But like, thankfully, (laughs) I had like a shitty old truck that got me from point A to point B. Like there's all of these different things. Like I had the ability to get myself there. I had a computer so that I could be doing all of my fucking homework. I had, you know, there's all of these things. And so. And they seem like a given, but they're not a given. They're not a given. And it seems so like, oh, well, I was reading about this this morning in our book, Stacia that we're reading for a book club. But it was like, it's not enough to just like give somebody a bunch of money for a scholarship and be like, here, here you go. I gave you a scholarship. Now you also have to be looking, you know, at all of these other things. Like I saw in the book that we're reading, Hood Feminism, shout out to our June book club read, but she made the point that like, it's not enough to just give people maternity leave. Like, yeah, that's great. But then what happens afterwards when you have to go back to work and you can't afford childcare? I think that that's so important. I think it kind of ties back to one of the things that you wrote about what to look for within like if these studios and the businesses you're supporting are being diverse that like what are they doing in their communities? Yeah, such a good point. I think that that is really great because it's one of those things where like, yeah, it's great to say that you stand for these things and whatever else. But I think we are coming to see that when we build up community and support the community we are a part of, that we see more opportunity for people grow. And so as opposed to just uh, throwing money at it, because like, oh, money, if these studios are wealthy and they have a lot of money, not saying all studios do, I know a lot of studios that are small and struggle, but I'm just saying like, it almost seems like the easy thing to do is start throwing money at it. But like, if you want to get to the root of making it better, I think that you made a really good point that like, What are people doing for their communities around them? Yeah. And so the point that I had put in our notes, because I've seen this happen at like every fucking studio that I've taught at, and I love these studios, but I've just have seen this happen. How are your, the studio or this wellness space engaging with their community? Are they providing value or are they having like really expensive rosé and yoga nights? 
right? Like those are important too. It's important for people to have a place to unwind. And like, you know, I know a lot of moms who come to those things and are like, this is the only time I've been away from my children. But like, is this studio also, if they're doing community things, are they hosting? Like I worked for a studio that used to do like park cleanups as a community, which is so Mm -hmm. cool. Like, and so I also encourage you guys as you're looking at your these studios, you know, maybe you've checked ticked the first box and you're like, okay, they have a lot of diverse teachers. They're teaching at good class times. They have diverse leadership. That's step one. What are they doing, you know, for their community? Because a lot of times these studios are in these like really, at least in Seattle, these really nice spaces that you know are so fucking expensive. They're maybe gentrifying, you know, like being part of the gentrification of that area. How are they really giving back for the community? Do they even care about that community also? Or is that just where they were able to get a lease, right? For their studio space. Another thing that this came up a couple of years ago at a studio I no longer teach at, but there was a really big debate among teachers of like, what kind of music are you playing in class? Because a lot of the white teachers were like, well, I really like rap music. And they were playing just like N-word, 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 N-word. And like, maybe don't do that as a white person. Oh my God. And then, you know, black students would come to class and be incredibly uncomfortable as they should. So even these little things have such a big impact. Yeah. And those are important things to address because if you wouldn't feel comfortable saying the words that are in the song out loud to your yoga studio, you probably shouldn't be playing the music that includes words like that. (laughs) Food for thought. It turned into a debate and I was like, y'all, why are we even debating this? Like we should just be like, yep, you're right. We're not like, you know, I, I wouldn't play rap music in a yoga class because... That's not like the yoga experience that I believe people like I want anyway, but I definitely have played explicit music in my fitness classes without thinking about it. And afterwards been like, oh my God, what was I doing? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I think it is something to really pay attention to. I know in New York, a studio that I went to a few times because my boyfriend at the time liked it. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> like most things in our relationship. <laughs> I love you. Anyway, so it was Y7 Yoga, and their whole thing was flowing with rap music, essentially. And it definitely was not the experience that I was looking for, but it's also just really interesting when you think of, like, cultural appropriation, and I'm, like, showing up to these studios, and yeah, all the teachers were white, even in New York. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I did, actually, there was a black person that ran the front desk, but they were not a teacher. Right. And so I think that... uh, It's just interesting. I'm like, this is like a hip hop yoga studio and everybody is white. (laughs) Like, oh my God. That's so cringy. You also, the point you made, I was talking to a friend about this and I think it's so important is we were talking about studios over the weekend and she was like, yeah, I mean, there's this one studio I really like, but all of their like cleaner, like it's all white instructors and they have a lot of black people on staff, but they're all the cleaners and like the people who work behind the front desk and like that all also is problematic. Yeah. And I think that that harkens back to the idea that like these people probably are hoping to be able to work their way up into this studio. But again, maybe they're not applying as teachers because they don't have access to the yoga teacher training. And guess what? How many hours do you have to be in order to be certified in yoga teacher training? Oh my God, so many. It requires a huge time commitment. So it's even a barrier to entry for people that don't have 
the time necessary as well as the money as a resource because time and money are like two resources that are very closely linked. And so I just think that, yeah, paying attention to who is staffed where, like you'll just start to see how it all plays out within these studios and in these spaces. So just like keep your eyes and ears open and just start paying attention. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you have to be a perfect social justice warrior. And uh, even starting to be more aware is such a good first step because I know that for me in my own personal growth, like just becoming aware of areas where I was not showing up in my life was a great place to realize like, oh, this is where I want to start seeing a change. So again, I'm hoping with this episode and I'm sure Lizzie would agree that we're like bringing awareness to you for some things to start looking for and that these are great places to start and that this is like continual work that we must do. But I think that it's important that we're here talking about it. I think so too. Another thing I feel like I've just, and you too, Stacia, I know in the last like week we both have had like, we have been all in on like the content and trying to educate ourselves. So another point that was brought up to me that I hadn't really given much thought to is if you're going to a chain of studios, right? Like even if it's a franchise, like the people that own that specific one might be great and they might have a really great staff, but looking at where the like corporate leadership is and who they're giving money to, because I think sometimes we find as you follow the money like Stacia always says that if you go to the top like maybe the money for your spin classes or something is going to a really problematic place. I want to also share I'll put it in the show notes because I found thank you TikTok this app and I can't think of the name of it but I have it downloaded. You'll find it. And (laughs) yeah you can type in a business name and you can see where all of their donations go to so it's more so in regards to Republican and Democratic donations but with in that you can look and see what politicians they're supporting. So you can see what politicians they're supporting within those spaces to understand like, okay, is this politician supporting really problematic uh, legislation? legislation. Yeah. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> and uh, things like that. And guess what? Yes, this does take work. But if you want to be a conscious consumer and if you want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, it does take work. It's kind of been this whole like coasting along because everything's fine. So yes, it is going to ask you to show up and educate yourself. But guess what? People of color, they've had to educate themselves on our way of life and how to be white because that's what society demands of them being a minority in a majority white culture. So it's like, okay, if we have to do a little bit of heavy lifting, like we're going to be okay. And it's time to learn. They've had people of color have had to be so uncomfortable for so long. Like we can deal with a little bit of discomfort. Like I learned a while ago that soul cycles, like CEO gives to the, I'm going to probably misquote this, but there was something about ties to the Trump organization. I Mm -hmm. really have liked soul cycle classes in the past. And so at first I was like super bummed. And then I was like, okay, Lizzie, Check your privilege. If just your your problem is not going to soul cycle ever again, I think you're good, you know? And I know how it feels to be like, oh, but I really like blah, 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 blah place. But it's like, if that's your biggest issue is that you just have to find a new workout studio or a new restaurant or a new coffee shop, like you were saying, Stacia, like I think in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be fine. Yeah, and money talks. So like put your money where your mouth is. If you are down for the cause and you want to see changes made in this world to make it a more inclusive space for everybody, like you have to do your part and understand that where you put your money 
really does matter. Mm-hmm. You were making a point earlier, though, about like being in podunk, middle of nowhere. No, you know, no people of color that you can even be supporting. And we're going to talk about this in our next episode about social media. But especially right now with coronavirus, you know, there are so many resources to do classes online. And that is another way if you are unable to leave the house or you're in a really small secluded area that doesn't have a lot of diversity that you can start to diversify your own wellness. So like take classes from instructors who don't look like you. And I think that that is one of the positive takeaways from quarantine and coronavirus is I do believe that we are creating a world that is going to be more accessible because we realize how much we can do virtually. So when you think about access to yoga studios, it's like you said, you like having a car to get to there. So like if you want to be participating in things that are going to make you well, but you don't have access due to where you are located, we are now seeing more and more of these things being taken online. And so I'm hoping that even with and if ever social distancing becomes a less important factor, um, that that is an aspect of it that sticks around and that we can find ways to make it more inclusive beyond just understanding that maybe there can be a cheaper option for the virtual option. So like for the people that can afford taking it in person, yes, they can still pay the $25 a class. But if you are taking it virtually, understanding that maybe there can be a lower priced option because you are not taking up space in the studio. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that that's like something that might be thought about. Cause I think even with like higher education, when we talk about that being more accessible, like, Oh my God. Yes. What if lectures are being recorded and then sent out through zoom things. And then there's like the virtual option, which is going to be more affordable than the in-person option. We are realizing how much we have available to us in order to make it more accessible. And so I just really hope that we continue to learn from that. Yeah. And I think, you know, something I've been thinking about too, and we'll really dive into this in our next episode about social media. But if you don't have income, you know, if you don't have any extra income to be spending on these things, something that you can do, go on YouTube. And if it's like a black yoga teacher, right, or a person of color teaching a fitness class, take their classes. Because even though you're not spending any money to take that YouTube class, you are helping their business by just improving their watch time, liking their videos, subscribing to them, like these tiny things, like Stacia was saying with your dollars, like if a thousand people went and did that today, that's huge for that person's social media presence that is then tied to their business. So there are ways that you can support these people that means not even leaving your house, you know, not Not spending spending a a single dollar, like you can support. And I've talked about this a lot and like on my website about just ways you can be supporting. When I say these people, I mean like anybody who's online without spending a dollar or a cent of your own money. So, mm-hmm. and I've loved that you have made that so apparent and just like reminding people like, hey, consuming doesn't always mean spending your money. And there's ways to support people through your consumption that don't involve spending money. And I'm just so grateful that you continue to remind people of that, because I think that that is a really important aspect of this all and that we have to remember that. Thanks, Stacia. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's easy to feel like you were saying like you have to buy a bulletproof coffee or blah, blah, blah to be well. You can spend zero dollars and still be making a huge impact. I know a lot of people right now are feeling really like, oh, I can't protest. How can I 
make an impact and like you can be a social media warrior and make a lot of positive change from your couch. So we'll dive into that more. But is there anything else that you want to share about diversity in the wellness space and inclusion? Um, I know you said you had an article that you read that you really wanted to touch base on that looks really cool. Yeah, I'll just touch on this really briefly and then we'll wrap this up unless you have something else you want to add. But I figure we're we're getting to that point. As I was doing some research for this article, it was written by Nicole Cardoza and she's a black woman and she shares this story that was just like mind-boggling to me about her being on the cover of Yoga Journal, which is a huge publication and this drama behind. Anyways, it's a very interesting story. I would suggest you read it. We'll include a link, but what I was... I read an excerpt from it that I want to read here, and she wrote, Wellness has an opportunity to increase health equity for those who need it most, but instead we're investing in an industry that does just the opposite. Mm. Let's say we were able to extract these practices from capitalism, from white supremacy, from racism, and from discrimination. The positive benefits to lower income populations and communities of color would be cost effective, as they would promote preventative ways people can stay well in the face of American healthcare system, an industry that often overlooks these groups. Instead, we continue to perpetuate the perception that calm minds and limber bodies are the domain of white millennial women. Mm. And she just explores a lot of topics that were just really eye-opening for me. And it, it's a pretty brief read. I think it's probably like five minutes, but we'll include a link to the article if you want to explore that a little bit more because she makes a lot of points that just helped inspire what I wanted to talk about even for this episode and got my wheels turning. So I just really appreciated her insight. And I think that we can all learn more from people in the black community and people of color who have been trying to navigate this wellness space in the face of racism and uh, white supremacy and a culture that doesn't necessarily promote support and have their back. So it's just, it's all very interesting things to unpack and learn more about. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And you know, we are just starting the conversation. We will come back to this a lot, but I'm really glad that we got to, I think you and I both feel really passionately about this, that we got to talk about it. I really appreciate being able to have a you to talk through this stuff with because it Same. definitely is a learning process for me. <laughs> it's a lot. And it's just, you know, I was talking to my some girlfriends from high school who, you know, um, in a group text and we were just like, there's so many resources. It's really hard to even know where to start. So I think it is helpful to have a conversation, even if it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable with a friend or a loved one and share resources that have been helpful. You know, if you find something that really helped you with everything that's going on in the world right now like post it on your instagram stories post it on facebook send it to a bunch of your other like white friends because that's how we all learn and grow and get better sharing is caring it is (laughs) seisha what's your yay for the day my yay for the day oh my gosh well well guys let's see i know (laughs) (laughs) you can just skip the a's i'm just kidding No, there are always, always yays. It has been interesting. I've noticed. I'm like, okay, my yay for the day is that I ate breakfast this morning. And the reason why this is a yay is because throughout this last week, honestly, I have not been showing up for myself because Mm, I've just been so overwhelmed. I've been showing up, but not for myself. Like I've been writing all the congressmen and city council members and call 
traveling and doing all this social justice thing, protesting and researching and educating. But as far as like taking care of myself, it's been like at the bottom of my list of priorities. And so I realized that I need to remember to go back to that because being grounded in myself is going to make me able to better show up. So I know it may seem like a small victory, but I'm just grateful that I nourished my body with good food this morning instead of eating cookie dough, which I'm not going to even pretend I didn't eat for breakfast three (laughs) days in a row. So I'm just saying sometimes remembering to take care of yourself is worth celebrating. So that is my huge gigantic yay for the day. (laughs) That's amazing. No, and I think you make such a good point too of it's all this work is really important, but you still have to take care of yourself and re fresh because you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, having breakfast, taking some, I told myself to get off social media yesterday and it was Mm -hmm. hard, but I was like, so glad that I did it because then I'm able to like be on social media yelling at people again. Uh, (laughs) Go Lizzie, go. (laughs) But I just know I'm really glad that you took time for yourself and all of you who are listening, no matter where you are in your own journey with all of this, please remember to take some time for yourself, even if it's only 10 minutes. Even if you just, if you're a mom and that means just like hiding in your bathroom for 10 minutes from your kids, like please find time for yourself. You are so worthy of it, whatever that looks like. Yes. Thank you for that, Lizzie. And I would love to hear your yay for the day. My yay for the day is that I have lost in the last week over 500 Instagram followers. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> Bye. Since I started posting about Black Lives Matter and just, I, you know, I feel like you and I, Stasia, have always posted about this stuff, but especially with everything going on in the world, I've just been like any helpful resource I find, I've been trying to pump it out because I have a fairly large following and I've lost a lot of followers and in the influencer space that's like terrible right like my numbers tie directly to like how much money I make all of these other things but I am so glad that all of these people who don't agree with like everybody's lives mattering are gone because you know yeah they don't need to be taking up space (laughs) they don't need to be taking up space I really hope that these people like learn, you know, and somebody made the point to me like, well, maybe they unfollowed you because they just can't process all of this stuff right now or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I respect that. But like, those aren't my people. Those aren't the people that I want as part of my community. And I think that we've touched on that a few different times. Like you say with like your email subscribers, when they drop off, like that's actually a good thing because those aren't the people you want to be doing business with. So I think you can appreciate applying that to this matter too. Like, okay, these aren't the people that you need to be supporting you because you're doing a bunch of really great things and that will attract the right people that are down for the cause. And we can just pray that everybody else gets there eventually and do our best to keep showing up for ourselves and the things we believe in. Mm, Yes. Go Lizzie. And go Stacia. You have been using your platform and your TikTok. Everything is amazing. This is just turning into a love fest. We have no new reviews this week, but please do make sure to like, review, and subscribe. Our June 2020 book club read is Hood Feminism. It is linked on our website, on our Instagram, and in the show notes below. Um, Again, we don't, you know, buy it wherever or borrow it from your library, but if you want to join us in reading along and discussing it, we would love to have you. We would love it so, so much. And always remember that, hey, you got this. (laughs) 